Welcome to the podcast. This is You Gotta Watch This. I'm your host, Aaron, and with me is your host, Nick. My name is Nick, and I'm here to say... What are you here to say? Don't leave us hanging. I'm here to say, uh, welcome to the podcast, also. <laughs> I didn't get to say that. Uh, well, this is the podcast where we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, there's probably a lot of podcasts that are in theory similar to this but here's something that makes it different you see i've seen all of these films many times but you're watching them for the first time yeah man and we're gonna we're gonna get to whether this was the first time you've seen this film (laughs) don't tell me yet we're gonna talk about it okay but uh you're watching these for the first time you've been very resistant Uh um but we're doing this podcast you've been super game and now we're on episode 20 so 20 films from the mcu uh, it's been 10 years at this 10 years of movies, yeah. 2008 to 2018. And we just finished film number 20 and that is Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's like, that's like 40 hours of movies. It's, it's probably a little, yeah. I mean, it's close. It's a lot of movies. It's like a work week of movies. Yeah. And so we watch them and then we talk about them and we're going to talk about this one. And let's let's move right into it. Yeah. Let's, let's let's get Nick's hot take. But before we do that, Nick, have you seen this movie before today? <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm gonna say no with an, with an asterisk. <laughs> Hang on. The asterisk is when I went to start this movie in Netflix. Um, uh-huh. uh, it started in the middle. Weird. So <laughs> I think. I have started watching this movie on some late sleepless night or something, <laughs> and I don't remember it, or I have like vague half memories of it, because there were several scenes that I was like, man, this is really familiar. That's uh, funny. Well, I it, think I think it, Netflix starting in the middle is probably the big clue that yeah. you started this movie at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it must have been fairly recently, because it hasn't been on Netflix for like that long. Yeah. Um, and we watched Ant-Man together like... Uh, I don't know. Was it like a year, two years ago? It wasn't that too long ago. Yeah, because I was no in this more apartment. than two years ago. More than one, yeah. probably. Yeah. So somewhere in there. So, and you probably saw it on Netflix, and we're like, let's watch the sequel. Yeah. And then, well, I'm really glad you didn't finish. Yeah, I, and I and I didn't anything like anything like actual plot wise. I don't. I didn't remember. <laughs> just I like just remember some of the of the aspect. I remember like the the building, and may, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe they showed this in the first movie, but I remember the building being like a rolling suitcase. Did they have that no, in that the first build, movie? That building is new to this movie. Then I've de- I definitely saw parts of this movie. Okay, because sounds that's like the big part like... I remembered was the rolling suitcase building. So it sounds like maybe you started this movie, and then you were like, you know what? One day I'm going to do a podcast with Aaron. I should just go ahead and stop here in the middle. I think that's exactly. And then you like erased your memory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Um, you know, let's, so what'd you think of this movie now that you've seen it to completion at, in its place in the MCU? So what'd you think? I'm actually, I'm sad to say it was not one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. It was very funny. I laughed out loud like throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah. I think it's better as a comedy movie than a Marvel movie. Well, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to say that uh, better as a, it, it's as I say, it's better as a comedy movie than an action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all techno babble and jokes. And that's like yeah. the whole movie. And then like the first half of the movie is just questing for one MacGuffin after the other. And mm-hmm. then the last half of the movie is like one big fight scene. Um, yeah, so I liked it and I didn't at the same time it, you know, don't get me wrong. It was very enjoyable. It was fun. Um, it was hilarious. Um, but didn't, didn't stack up to the first one. Didn't stack up to a lot of the recent Marvel movies that we've been watching. Gotcha. Okay. So kind of like a notch below. Um, well let's, for the people who didn't just watch it, let's go ahead and we'll do, uh, the famous, Nick's three-minute recap. Yeah, and and you know what? Look, uh, I have the front and back of a single page. So let's see if we... But it's a new notebook, so it's bigger. So I don't know if it's going to be three minutes or not. Okay. We're going to see. I've got the timer up here so you can see it. Okay. Oh, no. Now that I can see it, that adds a whole other level. Yeah. 
It does add a level, so you're going to be able to see the timer, and then you're just going to have oh, to you've already started. do the movie oh, with as much detail as possible. All right. Uh, uh, so it starts with a flashback of Hank and Janet saving the world, and Janet sacrificing herself to stop the missile. Remember that from the first one? So Pim is trying to bring her back. Um, so Scott is in the present day. He's under house arrest. He's only got three days left. Um, he has this memory slash vision of Janet uh, in uh, the quantum realm, uh, and then he sort of experiences one of her memories. Um, so then he's kidnapped by Hope as Wasp, um, and they're driving in this tiny car. He brings them to where she and Pim are hiding in a secret lab. Uh, the ants are smarter now. They're helping build stuff, and um, turns out they have built this tunnel to the quantum realm, a quantum tunnel. So maybe Mom put uh, the message in his head uh, so that she could, uh, they could find her. So they take the building with them when they leave, um, and they get – what does this say? I, don't, I can't read my writing. And they get the part <laughs> they read. Oh, to get a part that they need. Um, and I wrote, holy <laughs> MacGuffin. Um, so they go to buy this part from Sonny Birch. He tries to get in on the game, uh, but and the deal falls through. Um, she winds up fighting them as Wasp. She gets the part, um, but this weird ghost suit person shows up and starts beating up the Wasp. Ant-Man jumps in, and between the two of them, they fight off Ghost, but uh, Ghost steals the lab from Pem. Um, so they go to X-Con, where his buddy Luis works now with his other um, X-Con buddies. Um, as this security consultant group, um, so they go to then they go to Bill Foster's to get um, this tracking piece, whatever. Um, so we, now we see Ghost. Um, she is quantum phasing. She has to recover in this chamber or something. So Bill and Pim have bad blood. They argue, but um, Bill sort of gives him this techno babble answer. Um, then they have to get uh, so they have to get his old suit from his daughter's show and tell again holy MacGuffin quest um, so they do some fake science and detect the lab they infiltrate ghost's place ghost knocks him out her name is Ava um, she needs what's in Scott's head she says um, meaning she needs to know how to get to Janet um, so she is Elias Starr's daughter. Elias um, was fired by Pim years ago and discredited, so he did some crazy research on his own. Um, it blows up, and um, turned when Ava was a kid, it, that's what turned her into this... Um, she, her molecu- she has molecular disequilibrium dis- dis- or something. Um, okay, turning the page, washing my hands. Bill investigated... <laughs> Uh, for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. trained her to be an operative, so that's why she's so cool and can beat people up. Um, Bill and Ava want to extract whatever, something from Janet to cure Ava, um, so they escape with the building and prepare... Uh, oh, so the good guys escape with the building and prepare to rescue Janet. Um, so Sonny Burke shows up to X-Con and Luis, um, and he uh, demands to know where the lab is and uh, shoots him with some truth serum. Um, which is hilarious. Uh, so Ava only has a couple of weeks until she dies. That's what we find out. So she wants to kidnap Scott's daughter. Bill disagrees, says don't do that. So Bill seems like kind of a nice guy. Um, he's just sort of on the wrong side of things. So Sonny gives his truth serum. Oh, no, I'm out of time, aren't I? Uh, out of time. That's all the time we have today, keep... folks. <laughs> Thanks I'm... for listening to our podcast. <laughs> you can reach us on email. At... <laughs> that was good. Reach us on email. <laughs> all right. So, so Sonny gives his uh, truth serum um, to Luis, who tells a million stories, but eventually um, tells uh, them that the lab is in the woods. Uh, Ava shows up and also finds that out. So Sonny reports this to the feds. Now the feds get involved. Okay, so everyone's after them. Um, so Pim, Hope, and Scott open this quantum tunnel. Um, so Janet possesses Scott to help fix the tunnel algorithm, quote unquote. Uh, they find her coordinates and have two hours to find her for some reason. Um, Lewis <laughs> warns Scott that the ghost... Nick, and they have two minutes to find her or the probability uh, fields will shift exactly. again. Exactly. So Real I'm science. I'm surprised you didn't catch that. You should have written that part down. <laughs> so uh, they've... Uh, let's see. So he warns them that the ghosts and the feds are incoming. Um, so Scott has to head back to his house to trick the feds that he's still under house arrest. Uh, let's see. The, but the feds do wind up arresting Pim and Hope. Um, so a corrupt agent is trying to give the lab to Sonny, but Ghost takes it instead. Um, so Scott springs Hank and Hope. Um, Sonny tails them. They go to the lab where Bill and Ava are trying to extract Janet. Um, Luis shows up to help. Hank is going to dive in to save Janet. He promises Bill he'll help save Ava upon return. Um, so they shrink the lab and boogie. And then Sonny chases. There's a big fun car chase. Um, Ghost gets in on the action. Fun action scenes. Um, Hank finds Janet in the quantum realm, and they escape. They get bigger. Um, so Scott's, Scott gets the lab, but he's too big now. He's big. 
Um, so he passes out. So Wasp goes and saves his life. Ghost makes the lab big, wants to extract Janet, and uh, meanwhile they make it back, um, and they're, you know, submersible or whatever. Uh, Janet um, instead heals Ava magically, no, scientifically, excuse me, and then they all escape. Um, Scott makes it uh, back for his release just in time. Um, big happy ending. Um, so mid credit scene, Pim and Janet have built this quantum tunnel in the van, and they send Scott in to suck up quote unquote healing particles for uh, Ghost and quantum uh, healing quantum particles. healing particles. Sorry, that's the science. Make part. your notes are incomplete. That's the science part. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to grade you lower <laughs> for that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Scott, uh, they're about to beam Scott back, um, and then he thinks he's they're playing a trick but it turns out they got snapped oh snap they got snapped what yeah what so scott is trapped in the quantum realm and then uh post-credit scene you see the ant playing the drums um in a world where no one is living because they're all done been snapped did you did you forget about thanos a little bit during this movie uh, was it like yeah was it like forefront in your mind and you're like where's thanos why aren't the characters talking about thanos i did forget about it but i i also yeah. assumed that this was kind of taking place either before or concurrently it, it almost had to yeah. right because that's such a big deal but then that mid credit scene and you're like oh yeah yeah <laughs> this is awful yeah um so so yeah let's let's talk about this film a little bit um i, I want to put a pin in the in the post credit scene because we're gonna, definitely going to come back to okay. that um this film had a cold open which i thought was really interesting did you did you notice that like there's like a scene with hank pym and um his daughter hope and before like the marvel like opening thing yeah that's right um and it was pretty much just like let me explain what like some important stuff from ant-man one yeah in case you skipped ant-man one because you're like that's a stupid name for a movie <laughs> but you watched the rest you watched infinity war and you were like let me see what happens next and so it's like well, we're just gonna kind of catch you up yeah. on what happened yeah that makes sense uh yeah um so this movie not only you know it doesn't really follow up from infinity war at all in fact we've just determined it takes place kind of probably a few weeks before um but it definitely happens after Civil War, which is the last time we saw Ant-Man. Yep. And we see that, thankfully, Scott has been transferred from uh, that underwater prison uh, that he was being held at. Uh -huh. He's back home, at least. Um, what did you think about that opening scene with him and his his daughter? And he's trying to like entertain her oh, while yeah, he it's, can't it's leave fantastic. the house. It's fantastic. So, it, all, all of the... The heartwarming bits about this movie, they hit those notes really well. Like yeah. the the daughters, like the father daughter stuff. Um, I think they they do a great job of not only between um, Scott and his daughter, but also like sort of the family dynamic of Hope and her father and looking for for Janet and her mother. Yeah, and I think they hit the family stuff really well. Like the tone is is right. I just get annoyed at other we'll get to that but yeah i i, sure, really, sure. I thought it was uh well done I, that um they had some good interactions especially later on um sort of like you know her she wouldn't not necessarily moral compass compass but like nudging him in the right direction um like mm -hmm. he was almost going to be like well i'm out you know they're arrested uh there's nothing i can do without putting you in danger and she's like no that's not the right thing to do right she but she also has a very healthy distrust of the police in general which is hilarious yes <laughs> she i guess that's having an ex-con as a father yeah. you know she's she's not a fan of the police um what an interesting dynamic because of course her her stepfather is a police officer uh -huh. but the whole house arrest sequence at the beginning of this film of course it hits very close to home these days, we're recording this episode in in uh, yeah. quarantine uh -huh. uh, from our from our own homes and have been for a couple of weeks now. So it's it's interesting how relevant Scott's situation is uh, to our own lives, where he's got to find himself ways to keep himself occupied. Yeah, uh, even though he has a job uh, at a new company that him and his his ex con buddies have started, which uh -huh. is fantastic, but. Uh, I love the the whole bit about him learning close up magic as like a way yeah. to entertain his <laughs> yeah. daughter when she comes to visit, and how all the parts? adults 
Yes, I was about to say that's my favorite part is that like uh, his daughter doesn't really care, but like all the adults that see it are like, "How did you do that?" <laughs> yeah, and then later you so see uh, Agent is it Agent Wu? Is that his name? Wu, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you see that he's trying. He's watching. He's on that same website <laughs> trying to learn. I I love that, and let's let's talk about him for a minute. That's uh, that actor's fantastic. name is fantastic. That actor's name is Randall Park, and I am a huge fan of Randall Park. Yeah, he is. He is so funny in everything he's in, and he's he's so great as this detective, like FBI guy who's assigned Scott's case, and like he, there's this one part where he's like he he even says like what the Dickens like, yes. when he's like running out of the building, and the whole part at the end where he's like he's trying to be tough, and yeah. he's like I'll I'll be seeing you around, yeah, and, I'll see you again soon, <laughs> yeah, and. And Scott's just messing with him, uh-huh. of course. You know, he's like, "I thought you were inviting me somewhere." Yeah. And then he like <laughs> and then, <laughs> tries to invite him. He's like, "Well, if you want to grab dinner, or no, okay, no." <laughs> yeah, I I love that idea. Like, it didn't occur to him, but then he thought about it. He's like, "Yeah, I, I kind of do want to get dinner with Scott." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic, and that really is kind of part and parcel of you mentioned it. This movie is definitely a comedy. It's an yeah. like an action comedy. Yep, and. The director, um, his name is uh, Peyton Reed, he he insisted this movie be under two hours. Marvel movies had been topping two hours, uh, you know, in this era. Uh-huh. And, of course, Infinity War was like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. And he was like, I want it to be under two hours, mainly because they've been getting so long. But also because he's like, this is a comedy movie. And I want a comedy movie should be tight. They shouldn't overstay their welcome. Right. And even for a comedy movie, two hours is... A little on the long side. Yep. I was going to um, say, that's, that's actually one of the problems I have with it, is I paused it yeah. to run to the restroom in what felt like sort of hitting the third act. And I was like, okay, there's probably like 20 minutes left, maybe 30. And that was the better part of an hour was left. Yeah. It was like 50 minutes. Yeah, and I was like, that doesn't... And that's one of my complaints, is it, I, I think they could have cut at least 20 minutes from this movie, bits here and there. What would you? What would you have cut? So they go through so many little iterations of it's almost slapsticky. Like we've got the lab. Oh no, they stole the lab. Oh no, somebody else stole the lab from them. We've got to steal the lab back. Yeah. And so the that, lab does that move takes up like lot. an hour at the end of the movie. It's like the you know mm-hmm. like like uh you know sort of that old slapstick routine of like people like stealing things from each other's hands like you know like over <laughs> yeah. and over and over like a farce. Yeah. So that that got a little old. Um, I I got instantly tired of the techno babble um, at the beginning. Then they were like, "Well, we need to go find this one part," and then they couldn't. Uh, then then they needed another part to track the lab. But then they didn't have the part. But then they had then they got another idea, and so they were like, "Well, we can do this, but we need to get this suit to do that part." So it was just like yeah. one MacGuffin quest after another. Like yeah. they could have cut a couple of those out. It was just but filling then, time. They would have they would have lost the scene though of Ant Man being like one fifth size walking <laughs> through the school I, like as a toddler. I feel, but <laughs> so, see, that's the thing is that like I loved all the jokes, but I felt like the plot was constructed in order to deliver the jokes. Sure, not yeah, to, I get that. Not to advance the action. Yeah, I, I mean you're right. In a in a in a joyless world, we could totally cut the <laughs> the school sequence. And that would give you back like ten or fifteen uh-huh. minutes, maybe. But man, it's so funny watching him like struggle to reach yeah. the cubicle yeah. at the top, and just wearing that oversized hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do but like yeah, that. I hear you. I hear you. It's it it is long for a comedy film for sure. Um, but we did get to see in this film, and they kind of teased it in the first film. But we see Hope Van Dyne. You know, we see the Wasp really get to kind of take center stage yeah. and be a superhero and she's way better at it than scott is. yes yeah. like the stuff she does like the suits like an extension of that but she's clearly like all the the hand-to-hand combat yeah. stuff she's like, very just good at that. way better yeah there's there's two main sequences there's the one in the kitchen which was uh-huh. really really cool and then there's a car chase extended car yeah. chase towards the end of the film 
where she gets to like just flip around and do all this crazy stuff. And you realize when you think about it, you know, she's not an enhanced individual. She has, she's like more of a Tony Stark. She has access to this technology, but she's doing stuff like flipping in and out of like car windows to like attack people. It's very, just very impressive what she's able to do. And you see that, you know, like, you know, Scott can do a lot of things and he's not bad in, in his own right, but she definitely has him beat in almost every metric. Mm-hmm. I, I love the sequence where she's <clears throat> Scott and, and Hank are watching her fight and he's noticing all the, like the better tech her suit has yeah. the blasters and the wings. And he's yeah. like, Oh, you just didn't, you didn't have that for my suit. He's like, no, I had it. I yeah. Just give it to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that a lot. Um, they do a lot more um, with the, with the whole shrinking tech, I feel like they thought more about how they would use it. And you can see how, like, incredibly powerful it is with the Hot Wheels case of yeah. cars. Yeah. Like, it, I really, like, it's just works on so many levels for me when I see that. I, I used to have a lot of Hot Wheels uh-huh. when I was a kid. Yes. Yeah, and the idea that, like, all those Hot Wheels could be, like, just cars that you could drive around right. and you could just, like, swap them out. It's uh-huh. so exciting. I, I really like to see that. I really wish I had that Hot Wheels case. Still, I can't think about it too hard because, <laughs> like, you know, if you shrunk yeah. a car down really small, but it still has the like momentum and velocity of like a large car driving, it would be like if your car driving on a highway was dropped onto like a highway that was going like a million miles, like, like a rolling sidewalk that was going really fast. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you would just like start tumbling instantly. I don't. I can't think about the real <laughs> physics of it. Yeah, there's that, and then there's the car would have to be super fast because, you know, like a car goes like you know, say like it's going real fast, say it's going sixty miles an hour. Yep. Well, if you shrink, then the road is bigger now. Right. And so like you're going much slower relative to the other right. cars. Right. Yeah. Your wheels would have to be spinning a bajillion times faster. <laughs> You'd have to be going like 500 miles an hour. That's what I mean is that, that we just, I think they explained <laughs> yeah. it like the opposite way, but yeah, you would hit yeah. that road and you're going too fast. Your wheels aren't going fast enough and you would just start tumbling mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Or, or even if you started small, it would take, I wrote, I made a note of this. Tiny cars would take forever to get around because say you just like, you started from stop Yeah. as a little car. Yeah. Going to the end of the block is like five miles yeah. <laughs> down the road. Yeah. Instead and of they just definitely down the block. like took some, some liberties with, with that, but yeah, fine. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. Well, like they're not pretending just... to be accurate with any of this stuff. Right. That's just part and parcel of an Ant-Man movie because he's got the strength of a you know of a regular like 180 pound man uh, except when he doesn't except when he's light enough to ride on an ant you know like it's you definitely gotta suspend your understanding of physics because you know pim particles are very complicated they're whatever (laughs) you want them to be okay (laughs) how convenient um which is something I, I didn't think about we didn't really see the pim particles talked about as much they were like vials of liquid in the previous movie and in this movie they were it like wasn't really a thing you know i think they that moved, was mentioned they, they wanted to like give a a reason for it like this is what how we can do this in the first movie and they're like we've established that like they know yeah. that we can get little and big now we'll just do that it's the, it's a magic yeah. suit you know it's like it's like tony stark it, it's, just it's, let it do things yeah, and it really is magic, and we really get into the realm of magic. Again, we spend a lot of time in the quantum realm in this yep. film. Yeah, uh, Much more time, more than just like that little sequence at the end of Ant-Man, where we've got Michael Douglas actually traveling through it. And it just, I can't help but think about Doctor Strange whenever I see the quantum realm. Sure, yeah. It's very just magical you know mm-hmm. like the ground is like shimmering and shifting and yeah it looks kind of like the dark dimension uh-huh and and then you get hope van dyne who like just has magic coming out of her fingertips yep. you know she, to like heal people yeah. and it, it really crosses it ant-man really does i feel like represent the nexus of technology and magic i wish you know, they just i wish they would hang their hat more on that though because i i feel mm. like they're 
the techno babble really did get to me. It bothered me. Sure. Um, yeah. It bothered me that they tried to explain everything. Like when they're standing, like starting up the quantum tunnel, they'll say stupid stuff like, uh, all green on this end, firing up the phaser, you know, like whatever, like don't <laughs> just don't say anything. I don't think they said the word phaser. They didn't say phaser, but like it, it just as well could have been phaser because it, that's how little sure. it meant. It didn't mean a sure. anything. So but I they, wish they would have just said like, you know, we're ready to go. Like, yeah, whatever. You don't have I, to well, like make up fake words for me because it takes, <laughs> it takes me out of it. It really does. And actually the, the moment that, that I, that, that you're talking about like sort of the intersection of magic and technology, like, um, Janet can now, she's got all this healing power. So like they're talking before they come back from the quantum realm and she says, um, it's not just adaptation. It's also, Evolution. What yeah. is that supposed to mean? <laughs> she has superpowers. It, no, it means nothing. <laughs> so I I hear what you're saying. I really do. They kind of like hang their hat, uh, hang a lampshade on it a little bit. Where when they're in the in uh, Bill Foster's professor office on on campus, and he's like, "Do you guys just put quantum in front of everything?" Yeah, <laughs> and Paul Rudd is constantly like making jokes about it. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say, you know, or uh-huh. there's like when they, when they're in that scene and it turns out the feds are like closing in on him and he's like, we have to go. And like, as they're walking out the door, Bill Foster's like, you have to use the whatever from the suit to track it's yeah. whatever. And Paul Rudd goes, I don't know what that means as he like leaves. <laughs> just, just I, so I missed funny. that because I was busy rolling my eyes and commenting <laughs> <laughs> yeah to Megan. So Paul Rudd is, is the audience in that because he's he like he like he listens to it he absorbs it and he just goes I don't know what that means like mad at him yeah. <laughs> but I, I I totally hear you it's it's off the charts on this one yeah for the techno babble but I I think when you have um this cast um, it, it really becomes almost more about the comedy than it does the MacGuffin or whatever it is they're looking for. Uh-huh. In the behind the scenes stuff, Paul Rudd talks about how he tries to, and he's careful not to draw any kind of comparison or, you know, say this is what he was doing, but he talks about Bill Murray in his movies and how he just has this level of like not taking any of it seriously. Yeah. And he doesn't mention Ghostbusters, he, he actually mentions Stripes. But Ghostbusters is a good analogy of that, where he's just kind of like in this world with like proton packs. And, and he doesn't you know, care how any of it goes. works. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, OK, whatever, you know, and Paul Rudd definitely has that sensibility in this, which I think I think this movie goes a long way on the gas tank that is Paul Rudd. Yeah. Like keeping it moving, yes. keeping it interesting and like you just want to see what he's gonna do next i mean if 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 amen was played by a less charming comedic actor like yeah it, there, it wouldn't work it wouldn't work at all i'm just so grateful that paul rudd is in this movie and is the lead because he is phenomenal at it well and we also have to mention um you're gonna have to help me with the actor's name i i read it and i forgot it but the guy who plays louise his friend yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um let me uh let me look that up because we talked about it last time. Yeah, and he he steals every single scene that he is in, and he he does it again this one. Michael Pena. Pena, yeah, uh, Michael Pena. Yeah. He is and so good. He's fantastic. His he's the um he's the CEO of this new company they've started. Yep, and he's so stressed out. And that early on when he's like freaking out about this presentation or whatever, and he keeps repeating, "I'm the boss," yeah. as he's like backing out of the window yeah. like it's such a weird choice but it, it's so funny and right right before that he was like yeah my, my heart's racing and, and i'm really sweaty and uh but i, I feel like it's to something totally unrelated <laughs> yes and they so they knew in in the first ant-man he has several sequences where he's like telling a story yeah and it's his voice throughout and they they wanted to be really careful they didn't want to do it like a bunch of times right in this movie they wanted to make sure it was like different and and interesting and and you know something new and mm-hmm. so they waited till he was on the truth serum yeah. to do it and so it's great because it's not really related to anything it's yeah. like a 
callback, but also like it shows sequences we didn't see in the first Ant-Man movie, like when him and uh, Scott Lang met in prison yeah. and he's got that ridiculous got hairdo. Hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good. And you almost get the sense that like Louis is under that true serum and he's that's his way of resisting yes to yeah just, i totally got that like, impression yeah yeah like i'm just okay you asked a question so let me answer it in the way i interpret that takes the most time yeah and is the least helpful yeah and i just absolutely love it i'm glad they had the opportunity to have all the actors speak in his voice basically like yes. lip sync to his <laughs> the his delivery i just it's so great i love they had uh hope van dyne with her haircut from the first right yeah uh, movie and they like reference that haircut yeah. <laughs> the thing. i'm all business like, yeah look at my hairdo i'm all business <laughs> oh it's so good and then like it like starts like flashing back to the the movie we're actually in yeah <laughs> like some like her thought process it's <laughs> It's fantastic. That whole true serum thing. And the thing that really got me in the theaters when I watched this is when later on, he's still got a little bit of the true serum in his body. And he, he's talking to Scott and he's he's explaining that he's told the feds where they are. Or he's <laughs> the feds know where they are yeah. because he told uh, Sonny. And he, he says, I've got the true serum. And as a way of explaining that, he's like... Like, it's going to make me tell you how I hate you the way you load the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, you know, like, why do you put the plates on the top rack? They don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so real to me and so funny. Uh, his interaction with Hope, which we we rarely see the two of them together. It's mostly like Louise interacts with them through Scott, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but there's a scene where Louise and Hope are waiting in the van together, and yes. he's just like <laughs> sort of nervously talking about like the Pez dispenser and like how cool the suit is. He's like, I wish I had a suit, even if it only had like a few powers, or like even if it had no powers. I just want a suit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I love that scene where he's like working up the courage to ask her for the suit. It's just so great. And I, it maybe Megan and I agreed that like. There's something wrong with him, like you know, yeah, like he's definitely got like untreated ADHD or something. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like so hyper and like happy about everything, and I don't know. He's so budget conscious too. The whole yeah. thing with yeah. the the Intamin's like breakfast pastry uh-huh. and how he wants them to eat the oatmeal packets instead. Yeah. And then he's got the great thing about the undercarriage, which is when, like, Sonny comes in yeah. to talk about it. And he's like, who are you? And how do you know so much about car wash protocol? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about Sonny. Uh, sure. He's played by Walton Goggins. Yep, who's great. Fantastic character actor. Mm-hmm. He's in a ton of stuff. He's so exciting. Definitely elevates that part. That could have been a total, like, nothing part, yeah. you know? Yeah. But he really takes it to another level he's fantastic in everything he's in um because he's playing it on like three different levels you know like he's this menacing like underworld villain guy you know but he's also got that like you know like this the kind of southern like charm to it you know and then when he's under the true serum that like vulnerability like it's just he really nails it the guy is a genius uh, I, I love I love whenever I, you see him in something. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've seen um, the Righteous Gemstones, the new HBO film. No, I mean series. No, and he's he's in that and just fantastic. Yeah, at, he's great in everything he's in. So I was so psyched to see him in this. I like how he's kind of like the secondary antagonist. You know, yeah. like he's he's not the main because of course Ghost, which we haven't talked about yet. Yep. Ghost is the the main villain, sort of. Right, but. Uh, Walton Goggins uh, as Sony Sony Birch plays like another antagonist who's just kind of like in the way. You yeah, know? absolutely. He's not a threat that under normal circumstances Ant Man and the Wasp could totally handle that dude. Yep. Like he's just a guy with hired goons. Yep. You know. But with like in combination of Ghost and their tight deadline, he's enough of a like annoyance to uh-huh. like keep things he keeps moving. derailing some other plans. So let's let's talk a little bit about Ghost, um, and her, and of course everything ties back to Shield and like the Shield days. Yeah, she has like this. 
I get the sense that she was almost like S.H.I.E.L.D.'s version of the Winter Soldier, where she became this, like, you know, they exploited this opportunity for an assassin because she had this ability. Yeah. And it really shows, like, the, you know, how S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA really became, like, two sides of the same coin. Right. They have, like, the same tactics, even if they don't have necessarily the same goals. Right. Uh, so she, and cause, you know, maybe there were some Hydra agents like working with her, you know, on some of the worst aspects, uh-huh. but you totally buy that. It could be just a hundred percent shield. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, look at this opportunity we have. Yeah. And of course, Bill Foster also was a shield, you know, agent. Mm-hmm. It all, it all ties back to that. And that sense of there was another generation of superheroes that were just getting, glimpses of yeah which is something i really enjoy about the ant-man series that it gives us this idea of like there was this whole other world 20 years ago or 30 years ago that we uh you know we just missed there right. weren't movies about it but yeah. it totally happened mm-hmm. with uh lawrence fishburne as um bill foster who also was giant man yeah yeah um so um yeah ava is an interesting character um because you feel sorry for her you do you know because it's it was it was bad luck it was poor circumstances um and honestly you know uh you can lay a little bit of the blame uh, you really could lay a little bit of the blame at the feet of hank pym um yeah you know indirectly of course it was her father you know failed research who that did this to her but she can clearly points and say well he was fired and disgraced by hank pym and that's why he was trying to do this work in secret and that's probably why he failed he didn't have the support or he couldn't do it by himself um and so you do feel for her um yeah and the idea that she's always constantly in pain is an is an interesting Mm -hmm. idea that like she's like continuously being torn apart and re-knitted and that that is like this painful process that she's always she's existent in in that pain yeah Um, so that that that's gotta suck um yeah absolutely yeah she you know and the whole sense and like the way they've structured everything it's so great because you get her version of events you know where her father was discredited and disgraced by hank pym because he disagreed with her and then hank pym has like a throwaway line like oh he was a traitor and like that's the end, and you're like, you know, I don't know who's telling the truth. Yeah, he's you know? like, he's a traitor. He stole technology. I, so you don't know. It, I I've always thought from the first movie and to this one, Hank Pym is not necessarily the most sympathetic character. He's not. Um, he's so I, he's got I, a lot of flaws. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. It same with like sort of his interpretation of bill he's like no bill's a terrible person i hate him he sucks and basically all you see from bill is him being a reasonable caring person who's trying to save the life of this innocent person and so you're like well hank's judgment is not always right so if that's what he thinks of bill and we we see bill in this different light then i don't trust hank in saying that this other guy was a traitor i believe more ava's side of the story granted they're both sort of versions of a story but yeah i think that's closer to the truth it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And like traitor is probably not the right word to use. Yeah. Uh, for what, you know, maybe maybe he betrayed Hank Pym in some way, but it seems like that's not super difficult to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, Bill Foster, yeah, is definitely shown as somebody who dislikes Hank Pym, but he still covers for him when the FBI yeah, comes he talking. Does. He's like... He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And totally stonewalls them. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. He could have been like, yeah, he was just here. If you hurry, you'll catch him. Yeah. You know, but, um, and he was very much, he, you know, the whole plan was for him and Ghost was to extract, they wanted basically the same thing that um, Hank and and Hope wanted, which was to find Janet. Mm -hmm. But instead of to save her and rescue her, that's kind of incidental for them. They want to extract the quantum energy from her, which could be dangerous. And we find out it it is. Um, But Bill has kind of convinced himself that it would be fine. Right. And whenever, when the reality of like, oh, no, we're hurting people comes into play, he's like, you know what? Let's not do this. Right. Actually, like we need to change course. Um, but so Ghost he's, is at that point she's so desperate and in pain yeah. that she's willing to to do that. 
Desperate's the right word because she's definitely more desperate than evil. Yeah. She's got, um, you know, she's in a terrible situation. Right. And so her actions can seem, you know, from a certain light justified. Because she, we don't see her like, she's not like Darren Cross or like some other villains where she's like, terrorizing or killing lots of people she's for the most part just kicking people out of her way yeah in this film i mean we get the sense she was an assassin for shield but you know so was black widow so was hawkeye yeah you know like that doesn't really put her in any kind of like you know bad guy territory and in this film she's mainly just an antagonist just in the way yeah you know like she's her her goals are you know, opposite or different from the goals of the protagonist, but she's not like a bad person. Right. She doesn't want to destroy them. It's just that, yeah, their goals are not aligned and get in each other's way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Um, and, and so that's why I think it makes sense. And I'm happy that once she gets healed, we'll miraculously, we'll come back to that, um, <laughs> that, uh, she sort of is like, okay, cool. Thank you, and also I'm not gonna try to hurt you guys anymore. Like, you know, she sort of reverts back to good guy status. Yeah, when she has, you know, like she's not in constant pain anymore, and she's not in danger of like vibrating apart. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she suddenly becomes reasonable like yeah. anybody else would. Right. So, uh, the only time she really dips into like villain status is when she does express like at the peak of her like coming apart at the seams she expresses like yeah if she if janet dies she dies because i want to live right and like that's about as bad as she gets and you know it's not great it's not a great moment for her yeah but it ends up working out because ant-man kicks her and you know it's all good so let's Um, talk briefly so let's talk about janet and the quantum realm what it's done to her and how she was able to have magic healing powers well, the quantum realm gives you magic healing powers. Oh, okay. And that's that's just, just part of it. It's science. It's science. I forgot I forgot that part in biology. <laughs> I must have missed yeah. that day in chemistry. You got to talk to Bruce Banner. He's got seven PhDs. He oh, knows. Okay. That's what I, don't I, know why, I don't know why nobody talks to Bruce Banner. You should call Bruce Banner. <laughs> so, all right. Quantum realm, I agree with you. It's cool visually. I, I do agree with you that in the deepest parts of that, I do see echoes of... Mag- of the magic that we see in Doctor Strange. Even mm-hmm. there's there's parts of the quantum realm that it's like passing through like this tesseract, like it's it's mm-hmm. like tessellating back on itself. Just yeah, sort of absolutely. like the the what is it called? The other world or dark world or whatever? Yeah, the dark dimension. Dark dimension. Um Yeah. And definitely. So the, I, I I get that and I'm okay with that. I just it bugs me when this movie tries to frame it all so concisely with the fake science i would mm-hmm. i almost wish that they would these it would to me it would ring more true if hank pym this amazing scientist would admit that he doesn't know what's going on and he they kind of mm-hmm. do but they really don't mm-hmm. um and i think that bugs me a little bit because clearly this quantum realm is this deep mystery that science can't quite explain yet they're trying. That's why they're obviously kind of, well, that's one of the reasons they're going back at the end. You know, they clearly want to mm-hmm. be able to go there and research and figure out what's going on safely. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do find it very interesting, but it, Janet just seems very well adjusted for having spent like 30 years in some sort of like crazy dimension um, that's evolving her. Like, that could be a yeah. horror movie, like, in and of itself. They they do hints, and I can't remember if it's this film or the or Ant-Man, but there's, like, people get excited about the quantum realm because in the comic books it's, like, a thing where there's, like, people that live there. Hmm. And it's, like, it's, like, another universe. And there was hints at it in, in one movie. I can't remember if it was this one or the last one. Where you could almost see like a city in the background, like a skyline. Oh, I didn't see that. And um, it's just it's just a brief. In the first Ant-Man movie, when he's in the quantum realm, there's like a silhouette of Janet. And it's very brief, but it's implied that like that's when he becomes quantumly entangled with her. Uh-huh. 
Um, and so in this film, I, th- I think it's this film that has like just a barest tense of like something in the distance. And so like maybe there's this sense of like, I, I feel like, and, and there is going to be an Ant-Man 3, I think at this point they've confirmed that. I don't know. It hasn't been given like a release window, but um, it would be neat to see like that quantum realm explored even more. And if you know? they do that well, it would almost make this movie better. I feel like. Yeah. To kind I, of, I agree. Um, because it, it just seems so convenient for her to be like totally sane and yeah. to have magic powers. Like it, it would definitely have to be something like there is something there. And I agree with you. I would, I would love to see that. I think it would complete the trilogy yeah. to have like, Let's talk about the quantum realm and what's there. Yep. And I think they were very wise in this film to not have her talk about it too much. Yeah. So they couldn't, you know, like nothing they could be like, oh, yeah, I was all alone for 30 years. Right. You know, she didn't say that. Or like, oh, so, no, my buddies over here helped me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So the nope, definitely she just said it, it was evolution. And adaptation. And adaptation. So... We talked about this a little in the first Ant-Man with, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the manager at the Baskin Robbins. um, (laughs) Oh, um, shoot. Yeah. Uh, the guy who's on, um, everything with, um, uh, Tim Heidecker. Tim Heidecker, who was in this film as the whale watcher guy. Yeah. Were you, were you expecting that? So I I knew, I, Megan was very excited because she knew he was going to be in it. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I knew he was going to be in it. Um. I was hoping he was going to have more and funnier lines, but he didn't have much. So there is, I watched the outtakes. There's like a whole section of just him like doing like improv. Oh, okay. Like, nice. And it's very funny. I'll have to send it to you. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got some, some great, I mean, it's, it is pretty, they did cut it, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty severely in the movie, but he had, he had a lot more to say. Uh-huh in the outtakes but it's just enough that he's in it and it shows that they're like you know fans of comedy they want to get these comedy people in it It, the Um, the cast is is very much like comedic actors like to fill in those tertiary and sort of extra roles um yeah i it really is it's a comedy action for sure then the comedy is is like grade a like it's hilarious ant-man has a lot of tendencies to kind of reference to like they reference the mcu and like in in the first ant-man paul rudd is like listening to the problem they're facing and he says okay cool i think we should call the avengers yeah and that was his solution to the problem and you know just as a reference to just general like fans you know dissatisfaction in 2015 with like now that the avengers is a thing why aren't they in every movie yeah and in this film where they have they're like going uh in disguise at the campus and they're wearing baseball caps and sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) and paul rudd has a line he's like we're not disguised as anything but ourselves at a baseball game (laughs) (laughs) which is great and i feel like it's a direct reference to captain america winter soldier yeah because that's that's (laughs) his disguise all the time is a baseball cap come on (laughs) baseball cap and sunglasses and it's not a disguise at all yeah and of course we see that when they crash bill foster's classroom he, he looks at hank pym and immediately he's like oh that's hank yeah. pym <laughs> <laughs> all right so unless there's anything else you want to talk about i think we're ready for uh the pop quiz uh let's go on down to aaron's pop quiz corner let's grab a soda and sit back take a sip and answer questions oh it's nice yeah uh so in the comics ghost uh is a man and he's a supervillain that's more closely associated with another Marvel Cinematic Universe hero rather than Ant-Man and the Wasp. But my question to you, Nick, is which one? So mm. here are the options. Okay. A, Spider-Man. B, Iron Man. C, Doctor Strange. Or D, Captain Marvel. Okay. I'm going to say, so the name Ghost, um, to me... The, there's a lot in the in, in the name, like in the naming conventions, and I think that it would make more sense. So, like a ghost is something uh, otherworldly from another realm, and that, of course, makes me think of Doctor Strange. So, I think mm. uh, the answer is Doctor Strange. That's a great reason, but the answer is actually Iron Man. Oh, wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, Ghost is a Iron Man villain, and he is 
a like corporate like spy assassin oh. hitman yeah. kind of guy. Interesting. So he his like tagline is if corporations are people then I'm a murderer because he like he takes down <laughs> so corporations. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's his Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so totally so like, unrelated that, that to guard. <laughs> to ant-man or any of that stuff sure. but uh you know i guess ant-man doesn't have like a ton of recurring villains so they yeah. have to get with what they got well the, he keeps trying to steal a, a building which is sort of like a corporation <laughs> or sure does. um uh so sunny birch you know we talked about him yeah. walton goggins he's uh, an associate of darren cross in the comic books he works for cross industries who, interesting you know um but also more closely associated with Tony Stark. Anything hmm. like corporate is normally in Tony Stark yeah. and Iron Man's sure. realm. Um, but in this movie, which I, I learned about this doing the research, and I thought it was very exciting, uh, the writers of this movie, or one of the writers, has kind of unofficially, like off the books, speculated. Sonny Birch alludes to his boss, and he's you know made promises to powerful yeah. people, and that's kind of what's driving him is like he doesn't want to disappoint the people above him. So um, the, one of the writers said, "You know what? I think Sony Birch's uh, Sony Birch's boss is Norman Osborn, uh, otherwise known as the Green Goblin, Ooh, who okay. is one of Spider-Man's arch nemesis, cool. and he runs Osborn Industries, who is you know another CEO, you know like tech kind of guy." Yeah. And that's very exciting. I, I hadn't read that before, but I was like, man, that would be really cool if that was kind of a link between, because we're all hoping for to see Norman Osborn in the MCU. He's a major villain. Uh, one of those guys who is like kind of straddles the line between super villain, but also like kind of legitimate, you know, like a super villain, but he's a CEO of a company. Uh-huh. So that gives him some sort of certain leeway, kind of like... um the kingpin like wilson fisk kind of thing where they can you know be a bad guy and don a suit and beat up spider-man but also plausibly run for mayor of new sure, york yeah you know? so so it, um it, what and i know there's a bunch of spider-man movies out there that aren't part of um the mcu was green goblin in any of those he was he was the villain in the first sam raimi spider-man okay i was gonna uh, say i, I have MCU. a memory of seeing like a green goblin yeah. flying around on like did he have like a little like flying hoverboard or something? He's got it's called the glider, yeah. Okay. He's got like a like a hoverboard kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was he's one of Spider-Man's uh major villains in his rogues gallery. Hasn't made an MCU appearance yet, but was the villain in the first Spider-Man movie uh 2002 the Sam Raimi one, gotcha. which predates, you know, the MCU by about 6 years. But we're all excited to see him make his appearance in the MCU. Um so in the scene, and we're in Aaron's Trivia Corner, by the way. We've been there oh, for a few minutes. Oh, come on down to Aaron's Trivia Corner. Man, we got like kind of a country twang going on. Yeah. I like it. It's real sassy in here. <laughs> the So in the scene where Scott uh, gets taken over by Janet and he's adjusting the algorithm or whatever, uh, typically in scenes like that, they were kind of going with this... Um, the, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but the Lily Tomlin, uh, Steve Martin movie. I got the internet right in front of me. Um, but that um, that idea where, where she's kind of taken over his body for a minute. It's yeah. called All of Me. And they their, their initial thought was, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll have Michelle Pfeiffer act the scene. And then we'll have Paul Rudd watch that and then emulate it. He'll imitate her. Uh-huh. And then... Everybody involved kind of thought about it for a minute. They're like, you know what? Paul Rudd's got this. Yeah. Like, he, can, he can just do it. Yeah. And I'm glad they did because he, he, he created that scene like wholesale. Like it was yeah. all him. And he does such a great job with it. Uh, and it shows his range. And like, but it's also like, it's funny, but like, it's not really played for laughs. You yeah. know, like, yeah. like uh, Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas are like, oh, this is Janet. This yeah. is my you know mom you know and this is my wife and they believe it like so they're not like oh what are you doing scott you're being so weird you know they immediately buy it and that's what makes that scene work I so think. do you can i spend a couple of minutes talking about a tv show that this movie made me think of on several occasions and i sure. think this came out before the tv show mm-hmm. uh have you seen the show altered carbon 
I haven't. No, but we've talked about it a little bit. But so, no, we... uh, I, I've, I've watched the first season twice now. There's a second season I haven't seen. Um, so first of all, we'll get this out of the way, and then we'll come back to this. What brought this up? But Ghost's suit is very, very reminiscent. I should say that the SeaTac soldiers' suits in um, Alter Carbon are very reminiscent of Ghost's suit with that little like mm. tripod of like eyes. Um, okay. Very, very similar stylistically. So I feel like they they were inspired there. Um, and it's funny that scene. Um, there is a major plot. So uh, the major point of Altered Carbon is that people have stacks in your sort of spine where your brain lives now, or like your consciousness. And so you can go. You can be put into different bodies or be resleeved. And so. The idea of um, a guy uh, getting his wife back, but his wife is now in the body of some random dude, and mm. like they're having this intimate, uh, like uh, loving conversation, but it's you know with in the body of some random guy, like mm. that idea. F- that's the same sense that I got during that scene. That like, you know, she was in Paul Rudd's body. It's Paul Rudd speaking, but they were seeing her as. Janet and uh, yeah, it, it's just such an interesting concept. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of like living in another body or resleeving. So altered carbon, uh, carbon actually premiered four months before Eight Men of the Wasp. Interesting. Okay. So right, right around the same. So time. they were but they were probably you know doing all that production at the same time. So yeah, must that's, have that's, just independently come up with some of the design. I love those finding those parallels. Though. Yeah, that's neat. So, um, we've talked about this before, um, about the MCU, DCEU, that's the uh, DC Comics Extended Universe. Okay. There's that kind of bleed through sometimes where we get people making the transition from one to the other. Lawrence Fishburne is another switch hitter who's done them both. <laughs> uh-huh. um, plays Bill Foster in this movie, and Perry White, who's like the editor of the um, Daily Planet in the dceu so what movie is that in he was in man of steel and he was in um i think batman versus superman okay boring um. <laughs> that's interesting though because we had zach levy there's a couple of different oh, you know, it's, it's interesting that they're, they've made the switch but i'm i'm calling out dc for being boring <laughs> oh yeah definitely not as good definitely not as good he you're not gonna make me watch was, those next are you I haven't seen them actually. No, I've good. seen a handful. I've watched. Uh, I watched Man of Steel. I watched Batman versus Superman, and I watched Wonder Woman, but I haven't seen anything else. Okay. I, I want. I, I. Oh no! I saw Suicide Squad, so I intend to watch Justice League and Aquaman, and pro- I'll probably watch the new Wonder Woman movie. But they just don't capture the imagination the same way. They're yeah. definitely um, running behind the MCU, trying For sure. to catch up. Definitely don't have that. Cohesive. And of course, they're talking about like what? Six, that's like six films. Yeah. You know, and we're on film number 20 of right. the MCU. It, like, to build something like this requires time. And yeah. They just, they're trying to shortcut it. So let's, before we wrap up, um, I just, I do want to say, like, I am, st- and this will segue probably into talking about sort of the larger scope of things, but I am yeah. just amazed sort of at the early success that allowed them to build this this cinematic universe like it, it it's actually like sort of remarkable that this has come about it's completely unprecedented like i mean the mo- look when you get to series that are like oh eight or nine films you think of films that like devolve into campiness you sure. know like, yeah 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 you know like friday the 13th right nightmare on elm street and like a- alien versus predator you yeah get some, and like even them don't come close to the number of films this is you uh-huh. know? but you start getting into that like direct to video kind of thing yes, absolutely and you know you get the joke about you know maybe like some rocky films or you know rambo or whatever but like this has been consistent in quality you know it's uh-huh. like you get into like Star Wars territory, but it's like double the amount of Star Wars films uh-huh. in like way less the amount of time. You're right. talking about ten years versus like forty years. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's completely incredible what they were doing, and it 
I think it it comes from a love of the source material. You know, these weren't people who were looking to cash in. Mm-hmm. You know, you get Kevin Feige who is legitimately loves Marvel comics. Yeah. He's like, how do I take these stories that I love reading when I was a kid and how do I put them into movies that people can watch and enjoy? And yeah, I, I absolutely agree. This definitely fits pretty well into a couple different, you know, segments. It's obviously a follow-up to Ant-Man, picks up after the end of Civil War. They have some great moments where he keeps referring to Captain America yeah, as Cap, Cap. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. And I love how Hope calls him out on it, yeah. you know. And and then it it, it ends, and because it, it, it's a fun, and it's another caper Ant-Man movie. Right. And it ends with that sense of, oh, yeah, everybody got snapped and the world is ruined right. now. Like, yeah. what do we do? Uh-huh. And it's particularly bad for Ant-Man because he's trapped in the quantum realm yeah. and he needs somebody to pull him out. And the only three people in the whole universe who knew where he was and what to do are gone. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Like, how is he going to get out of this one? Oh, he'll figure something out. <laughs> I hope so. So uh, what I, I got to think back at all my theories from the last one. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think that there is some solution they're going to come up with that sort of undoes what was done like mm-hmm. time-wise. Like so, time travel? N- not not necessarily that, but like the idea of like reversing back down the the branching pathways of possibility and then taking another branch. Okay. Like if you can hmm. if you can think of time as every moment or every decision being a branching universe like you know did i blink in this moment or did i sneeze and those just created two separate timelines right so sure. they're gonna somehow with uh dr strange's uh plan that he put in place which i'm still i'm still calling um mm-hmm. the timeline he saw um there's some i don't know what i don't know man <laughs> So, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you're, you're good. And I think you're really onto something until you think about it. Doctor Strange is a pile of dust on I, Titan. I don't <laughs> think that he is instrumental to the plan. I think he helped set things in motion that led to that path. And so whatever's gotcha. going to happen, I keep saying it, calling it his plan or his whatever. He doesn't need to be the one who does it. Somebody else is going to do it, but he it's saw it happening and he helped saw. it occur. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right, well, let's go into Infinity Watch. Yep. I feel like that's important. So <laughs> let's see. Let's figure out where all the stones are. Uh, Space Stone, Thanos has. The Reality Stone, Thanos has. Power Stone, Thanos has that one. Mind Stone, Thanos. Uh-huh. Time Stone, I have Agamotto, Thanos has that one. And, of course, the Soul Stone, Thanos has. So he has them all. Um, did he change hands in this movie? No, nothing did. Unless um, he doesn't have one and he thinks he has one, which was another one of my theories. Okay, he's got like a dummy stone. Yeah, I think he, uh, there was a there's a possibility. There's something Thanos doesn't know. Gamora which one? Said. Which one would be the the dummy stone? What was stone? the last one he got? The yellow one. The very last one he got was the mind stone. Yeah, out of vision. No, not that one. Sorry, the the one before that that he got the, by sacrificing from Doctor Gamora. Strange would be the. Huh. Oh, that's the soul stone. That's the one yeah, that I so think that was might the one be before the last. One. Okay. All right. But All right. I don't know. So. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's important. You don't know, but you're going to find out because uh, you got to watch these movies. We have three left. Yeah. Um, how does how does Eight Man of the Wasp? We kind of know Eight Man of the Wasp, not your favorite. Um, better or worse than the first one? Um, or one or let's say we don't have to use those loaded terms. Let's say one or two. Will it be rank one or rank two out of the Ant Man series? You know, they're. It's hard for me to say because I feel like this one was funnier. Yeah. But the the story was less good. Yeah. So I I just can't I can't. It's like a wash. Yeah. I for me I like I like this one a little better. I like the expanded role of Evangeline Lilly who's fantastic in yeah. this. And I like of course Walton Goggins added to the cast. Fantastic. Um and I like Louise's role is more less of the like you know uh criminal sidekick and and is more of like he's essentially he's scott's boss in this film which is great and you know i i I love all the comedy in it so this one for me i think ranks above ant-man one which i also love ant-man one Uh they're definitely in like a separate 
even though they're part of the series, they're in kind of a separate, like almost like pocket universe of like almost pure comedy. Yeah, you sure. know, they're definitely less serious. Both films, such a smaller scale in terms of like the threat level, you know, yeah. like if they fail, like the lives at stake in, in this movie are just one, just they'll lose Janet. Right. And really they'll lose her temporarily. They'll just have to find her again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you know, when she says the probability field shift and it'll be a, a century before they align again, she just means that, like, those coordinates they have for her will only work again in 100 years. They'll just yeah. have to get new coordinates. And, like, you know, the the biggest threat is them going to, like, federal prison for, like, 20 years, yeah, you know, yeah. which with these enhanced individual individuals is not that big you know they'll get out they'll right. be all right yeah they have unlimited resources and they'll be okay so the the stakes are much lower in these films than any other mcu film, sure uh which i think helps them work for me yeah um so we have three films left can you name the three films um okay yeah no all right um there's avengers in game, okay. There's another Spider-Man, I think. Uh huh. And I don't know the the third. I can't. I can't the third. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick Perry, I'll help you out. So, the uh, the third one that you can't think of is Captain Marvel. Oh right. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's understandable because that is a new IP they're introducing right at the end of phase three. They're like, you know what? Let's bring in a new hero. That's what we need. And so Captain Marvel is actually the next film that we're going to oh, watch. Okay. Cool. What do you know about Captain Marvel? Tell me about N- it. Nothing. Um, Captain Marvel is a woman. Yeah. And that's literally all I know. <laughs> do you know I, the actor? I actor? don't even know the actress's name. Uh, it's Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. Who has been so, in? I don't know. She was in. She was in Room. That like, uh, what kind of psycho thriller film? Have you seen Room? No. Nick, you gotta watch Room. <laughs> you gotta watch this. <laughs> it's she. I think she won an Oscar for it. It's fantastic. Okay. Uh, it's it's up your alley. I think you would really dig it. Cool. I mean, it's it's horrible, but you should watch it. Um. <laughs> And but she's she's a phenomenal actress. She was in uh, Community actually. She was in season four and five of Community as Abed's girlfriend. Um, wow, I'm really blanking on that. Yeah, she's a phenomenal actor uh, and great addition to the MCU. We haven't seen her yet. We got a little hint of her at the end of Infinity War. Um, that the pager, that weird pager right, that right, Nick Fury right, had. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that had it had. Captain Marvel's kind of like insignia on it. Okay, so, all right, so that's right. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so here's my prediction. She is central to this plan or this one chance that Doctor Strange saw to reverse this and rescue everybody. I think that in Captain Marvel, we will see her do something that saves the day. (laughs) Okay, you say Captain Marvel. The that film is is her saving the day. And I yeah, I'm calling that it's gonna. It's not just gonna be like a self-contained thing. It maybe starts that way, but then it's gonna end with her somehow saving the day to like rescue or undo the snapping. All right. Well, that is quite a prediction. Um, we're gonna watch Captain Marvel next. That'll be next week, number twenty-one. You should watch Room as well. A heart-wrenching film but you should definitely watch it and nick you gotta watch this thanks for listening to our podcast we want to hear from you you can reach out to us on email at you gotta watch this podcast at gmail.com you can also reach us at Facebook or Instagram at You Gotta Watch This Podcast or on Twitter at Gotta underscore Watch. Thanks.